Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Can't wait, as, uh, as Bart Scott likes to say. Cannot wait, that's for sure. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but and, and by the way, we've got Jacob and Tom who, who are producing the show. We're with you for the next three hours tonight. A lot to get into. Uh, we're going to kick it off with some NBA talk, the latest with Katie and the Boston Celtics. Uh, interested in a possible trade with the Nets. We'll get into that in just a second. Uh, But I don't know about you guys, but I felt like the last week, every day I've been logging on to ESPN.com or, you know, whatever other sites uh, that I do log into uh, just to see what the pitching matchups were going to be for the Subway series. And then, um, and then, so the first one that was, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Exposed, relinquished, confirmed was uh, Walker to pitch for the Mets on Tuesday. And then just having like my own assessment. Okay. Well, you know, like in regard to the pitching rotation for the Mets, who comes. So I just assumed, right. That it was Max Scherzer and and with Jacob deGrom still reports are getting another minor league uh, rehab start. Um, And then, but it took, it took more time for the Yankees to reveal who they're pitching uh, started who their starters were going to be for the subway series. Montgomery obviously was, was first announced. And then of course doing uh, my own, uh, you know, uh, assessment, um, Herman. So this is what we have. So Tuesday night, you've got Walker going up against Montgomery Wednesday night. You've got Scherzer going up against Herman. Okay. But let's be honest, right guys. And, and Tom and Jacob, I, you know, I'd love for you to chime in on this. Like you know, a part of me, come on, it would have been, I was anticipating, I was hoping, especially prior to the all-star break, we were hearing how well uh, Jacob DeGrom was doing. Come on, it's the Subway Series. Uh, we deserve a, you know, DeGrom against uh, a Garrett Cole and a, and a Max Scherzer against a Nasty Nestor, right? Like, and, and not to take anything away from this, it's going to be great. Um, it's going to be an exciting two nights. Uh, this is really what we've been all been waiting for because these two teams, obviously the Mets, the Yankees, they did not see each other, face each other, play against each other the first half of the season. And so we've got four games now on the horizon, two in Queens starting tomorrow. But I don't know about you. Like, I don't want to be like a, like a negative Nelly, like wah, wah, wah. But a part of me is like, mm, like, like I don't want to use the word disappointed, but I guess I am using the word disappointed. Are you feeling me? Are you guys feeling me at all? I'm disappointed by the Yankees starting pitchers going into the Subway Series. I was hoping that we could get some maybe A versus A type of matchups, maybe a Cole or a Scher- versus Scherzer type of thing, or even a Nestor versus Scherzer type of thing. But unfortunately, that's just not how reality works because I've come to learn over the course of my life, Anita, that the things I really want to happen and I wish to happen and pray to happen just don't usually don't happen. happen. No, it doesn't happen. <laughs> that's not how life works. Jacob, are you at all disappointed? Uh, well, I mean, on the Mets side of me, being a Mets fan, I'm excited more for Game Two with uh Scherzer, Scherzer and Herman. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, I mean, for the Yankees, I mean, with that 15 uh, ERA with Herman, I don't know how happy I'm in with that, but the 
Scherzer, I am definitely happy to see him on the mound. I would I would have loved to see him and Cole go at it, but then again, uh, Cole hasn't been himself uh, lately, so I'm not sure how much I want to see of that either. So uh, these are the these are the pitchy matchups that uh, that we've been dealt, right? And you've got to play the hand that you've been dealt. And again, I don't mean to be a negative, Nelly. I am I am very excited. I can't wait to watch. This is really what we've been waiting for. And and just marinating the fact that this possibly could be a preview of the World Series. I mean, blow your mind. Could you imagine? Could you imagine a Mets Yankees World Series? This 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 is a possibility. I'm just saying, this is a possibility. We've got Rich Catino, uh, who does a phenomenal job covering the Mets, as he has for many, 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 many years. He's going to be joining us this hour. Uh, Christy Ackert is going to join us as well. We're going to talk about, uh, we'll get. Uh, we'll hear from her in regard to what's going on with the Yankees and get an update uh, in regard to the Yankees. Both teams are off today, which is great. An opportunity to rest, recharge. Get ready for that Subway series. So uh, so uh, Christy's going to join us in our second hour as well. Uh, we'll open up the phone lines, 800-919-3776. We'll talk a lot about the Subway series. We'll talk some NFL as well. Training camps opening up. Veterans and rookies are all in attendance now. And, uh, and so it begins. So we'll talk some NFL on the show. But let's kick off with what's going on in, in the latest in regards to the KD in Nets saga. So what do we know right now? Another Woj bomb was dropped in that the Boston Celtics now have become a team of interest for KD's services. And so what would that entail? Um, reports are that it would be Jalen Brown and apparently the package that was offered from the Nets uh, was uh, was Derek White and, and some draft picks. Now, the draft picks that um, <coughs> excuse me, the Boston Celtics have have to offer to 2025, 2027, 2029. <coughs> excuse me. So, um, and unrestricted, obviously. But here, here's the thing when it comes to the drop picks. I'm going to take a sip of water. Hold on. <laughs> mm. Here's the thing when it comes to the drop picks. This is a Boston Celtics team that more than likely, if they add KD... Um, are going to be in it to win it. Now, you know, are they going to be competitive when they reach 2025, 2027, 2029? I don't know, but, you know, this isn't a Boston Celtics team that stinks more times than not. I, I mean, you're, 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 you're agreeing to a trade with a team and an organization uh, that, that, that's pretty good. So keep that in mind. Now, there are also some reports out there that the Nets – said, well, you know, love Derek White, but no, not for us. Rejected and countered the offer with Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, and multiple draft picks, and also another rotational player. Who that rotational player is, I don't know. Here's the thing. Um, Jalen Brown, by the way, 25 years old. He's got two years left on his deal, about $56 million. Here's the thing. There's only so many teams... In the NBA, and and it's very minimum, minimal, minimum, and and I really think it's the Golden State Warriors and it's the Boston Celtics that have the talent and the depth to make both KD and the Nets happy. And I'm sure you're sitting back and going, "What? KD doesn't have a no trade clause. What do you care? Why do you got to make him happy? Because we're seeing what's happening here with KD. Even though he signed a four year deal, still remaining with the Nets." What's a contract? 
You know, there, there's that there's that one percent of the NBA players in the NBA that that wield that kind of power that a contract really doesn't mean much. And so teams aren't going to trade for KD and give up the world and bring him in where now he's like a solo guy on the roster and they'll be lucky if they're competing to make it in as a sixth seed or a seventh seed and then get bounced in the first round of the playoffs. KD's not going to show up for a team like that. KD wants to win a championship. He wants to be traded to a team that immediately is going to come in and win and compete and try to win a championship. And so the Nets, they're not going to give KD up. Granted, yes, I, teams, obviously you got to make KD, KD happy because you want him to show up, show up. You want him to put 110% in. You want him to be, uh, you know, uh, present and not, winning, not wanting to leave and go somewhere else. But also the Nets, you know, they, they gave up so much. It wasn't just KD. As we know, you know, it's Kyrie. It was Harden. All that went down. You know, the Nets are deserving. They need to get back a lot. You're talking about arguably, arguably the best player in the NBA, arguably top 10 player ever in the history of the NBA. So there's only, there's only a few teams out there that have what it takes to truly get this deal done where, again, both parties can be happy. And that's the Nets and KD. Because think about it, right? Like, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, multiple draft picks. Again, another rotational player. I don't know who that is. I don't know if a third team gets involved, whatever the case may be. That's what you're bringing back here to the Nets. Now, here's something else that I, I read today that I find really interesting. Jalen Brown and Kyrie are, are, are good friends. And not only that, Brown now has, has signed um, <clears throat> with um, Kanye West's sports agency. And reports are there is that Kyrie is about to as well. I'm just throwing it out there. If, if this deal goes down, could this be something that would keep Kyrie here with the Nets for one more year? And then once that year deal is, is, is done, then he can go fly, fly away to L.A. and reunite with his buddy LeBron James. I'm just, I'm just food for thought. <clears throat> food for thought. Could that be a possibility? And, and how competitive would this Nets team be with a Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, number one defensive player in the NBA last season? And if Kyrie was willing to stay along with the, uh, the other talent that, that's on this roster for the Brooklyn Nets, I think they'd be competitive. Like, you know, would they be favored to win the East? Probably not. With KD in Boston, it would likely be the Boston Celtics with KD aligned with Tatum. And who else would they continue to have? I mean, they've got Robert Williams. They would keep Derek White. Of course, they added Brogdon already. Um, I love Horford. Uh, they have Gallinari. Wow, I feel Gallinari's been in the league forever and a day. But nonetheless, my point being is that this, this Boston Celtics team, again, has the talent and the depth to make this trade and potentially keep the Nets happy, maybe keep Kyrie here in Brooklyn for one more year, keep the Nets competitive, and KD happy joining forces with Tatum along with the players that still could continue to be 
on that Boston Celtics roster and continue to win. Food for thought. What do you say? 800-919-3776. I say do it. I say do it. Do it. Let's get it done. Let's get the deal done. 800-919-3776. Anita Marks with you on this Monday night here on 98.7 ESPN. Listen, uh, he's, he's not reporting anything we don't know. It's, it's, it's been well-documented, well-known, well-discussed that Tatum and Jalen Brown uh, have not been on the same page for quite a while. It was just the second half of last season that they really were able to gel and uh, come together and start playing some good basketball together on the offensive side of the court. So, um, so there's no surprise there. Everything that I'm hearing, I'm reading, is that Katie is quite tight with Jason Tatum. So Frank could be on to something. Uh, before we get to your calls, let's listen. This is Nick Friedel as well, um, talking about this, the Celtics' offer to uh, the Nets. Yes. As far as palatable for Brooklyn, any deal with Jalen Brown and a boatload of picks seems much better than Mikael Bridges, Cam Johnson, and some picks uh, or whatever Miami could cobble together because it just doesn't seem like they would include Bam in, in any deal right now. So, yeah, on paper, the Boston thing makes the most sense. But, guys, what I would say is, does Kevin want to be there? Mm-hmm. And if he doesn't want to be there, then what is Sean Marks going to do? Because they don't have to necessarily help him. Again, uh, Nick Friedel talking about what I just said uh, just a second ago, and that is like there's only a few teams that really could put together a very attractive offer for both the Nets and KD for his landing place. 800-919-3776. Let's go to Tim in Bergen. Tim, welcome in. Hey, hey Anita, how are you? Thanks for taking Hi, the Hi, good call. evening. Um, Thank so you. I'm just thinking like if, if, I'm, if I'm the NBA and I'm an NBA owner, like you said before, what does the contract mean? It's like this is a prime opportunity for them to put their foot down and say, this is what a contract means. It means that I'm not trading you because you don't like being here. It's like you're going to stay here, and this is how we're going to regain power over the players. And the NBA is like the craziest league where players can just choose, like by the, how, whichever way the wind's blowing that day, where they want to play, and the owners just placate to them. And it's absolutely ridiculous. Like, as a fan, it's like, how can I latch on? How can I, like, look forward to my team? It's like, it's crazy. So it's, I just feel like right now the owner should really not even consider, if I was on, even if I was Boston or Miami, I would tell my, my GM, look, we're not trading for Kevin Durant. I don't, I'm not going to continue to give the players all this power to just dictate to yeah, us. Yeah, but, here, but, but here's the thing, my Tim, business. I... I, I... Tim, I understand, and I appreciate the focus. I understand what you're, where you're coming from. Um, I understand the frustration I hear it in your voice. But again, like it's not just it's not players. Like with all due respect, but like Jalen Brown couldn't wield this type of power. Marcus Smart couldn't wield. Draymond Green couldn't wield. Like you're talking about one percent. You're talking about the KDs. You're talking about the Steph, the Steph Curry who would not do this in a million years. Uh, LeBron James, who does this quite often. So, you know, it's, it's, I call it gaming the system, but there's only like 1% of players who can manipulate it to this degree. So, I, you know, I, I, I can't stand when people say this, but, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> 
It is what it is. Let's go to Mike in Hoboken. Mike, welcome in. Hey, what's going on? Good evening. How's it going? Okay. So I want to look at it from I want to look at it from three different perspectives. So mm-hmm. from from Kevin Durant's perspective, right? He is in deep mode to win another championship. Two years ago, with that three point shot, that really was a two point shot. He needs to go back, and you're coming off of a fresh. Um, loss in the finals for the Celtics. So you got two, a team and a player that is desperate to go back and win it all, right? And you got a player in Jason Tatum that can take a lot of the load. He's like a Kyrie, but I think he's actually better version of Kyrie in terms of how he can control the ball and score. So you put them together, and that would be great for Boston and Kevin Durant. And in terms for the Nets, you know, you lost a lot of grit when you gave up all those players in the trades for Durant and Kyrie, right? You lost a lot of the grit. So if you get back a guy like Marcus Smart, who doesn't mind getting up in anybody's face, and he loves to talk and get in, he won't mind getting into a fight, I think you're adding a lot to the, to the Nets as well, and you're helping them out from that perspective. Yeah, I mean, Mike, you make an excellent point, and let's keep in mind, you know, and thanks for the phone call. I don't want to put too much weight into Ben Simmons because, uh, you know, we don't know what the situation is, right? Like, he just had back surgery. He needed an epidural last year. We haven't seen him play in forever, but when he has played, you're talking about another possible best defensive player in the league. So, like, just, again, hypothetically speaking, add a Jalen Brown, bring in a Marcus Smart alongside Ben Simmons, two of the best defensive players in the NBA. Hopefully, maybe because of the relationship between Jalen Brown and Kyrie. Kyrie decides, okay, you know what? I'll I'll stay for another year here in Brooklyn. I'll play one more year. And then once this year is over, then, you know, maybe I'll I'll head out to LA and, and I'll join forces with LeBron James. I, I'm just I just I, I know I'm assuming a lot. I know I'm playing like, you know, ridiculous GM here and trying to read the tea leaves or whatever the case may be, but stranger things have happened. Let's go to James in Jersey. James, welcome in. Hello, Anita. Thanks for taking my call. Um, this is this situation seems similar to, to what the Nets are trying to do. It's the same thing with Utah Jazz. They really only want to do business with the Knicks, but everything else is just window dressing. And 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 I think that 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 Brooklyn only wants to do business with OKC, but they haven't got their attention yet. And they have five first-round picks, just like the Knicks have four first-round picks going into next season. And they really want they really want the that. And if if KD is sincere about having his own team, like all these teams on the East Coast, like that that they're claiming that they want to trade with, these are guys that already have stars. So like, what what is you what are you really trying to do? What are you really trying to accomplish? There's nothing that 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 uh, OKC can't give you, uh, you know, give you your own team, give you fu- future picks. You don't have to yeah, worry but, but, about but James, that. But, James, here's the thing. I appreciate the phone call. Here's the thing, though. Like, again, I'm, I'm – and, and, and I know folks are going to say, you know, screw Katie. What do you mean? He came here. Look what these guys have done to this, this franchise, this organization. Yet, teams, teams are not going to trade for KD – and have him go there to a losing franchise. It has to be the right mix. It has to be the right trade-off where the Nets are getting 
everything plus a bag of chips. And wherever Katie is going, he's going to a team that still has components and a core that's going to be able to compete and try to win a championship, not just make it to the postseason, like win a championship. Let's go to Greg. Greg, welcome in. Hey, hey, Anita. Thanks for taking the call. Um, yeah, you're talking about this trade. A couple points here. One, you know, when you're talking about Wells Smart coming over with Brown and how the net's going to look with Simmons and how would that work. Well, remember, bringing Simmons over was predicated on having KD and Kyrie to cover up Ben's offensive shortfallings. We all know the guy can play defense. He's a freak when it comes to that. Um, but more importantly, if you're the Nets or, you know, management, why in your wildest dreams would you even consider trading KD within your division, especially to a team that is basically championship ready? You, like, just handed Boston a, a ticket to get to the finals. And I use an analogy. Could you ever imagine Green Bay trading Aaron Rodgers to the Bears or the Lions or the Vikings within their division? And it's rhetorical because no way in, you know, that place yeah, outside of uh, Greg, I, uh, like, I, I hear you. I hear you. And But reports are, and again, thanks for the phone call, reports are a trade was offered by Boston. It was rejected but countered. By the Nets. So to sit here and say, well, no way the Nets are going to trade KD to a a division, a team within their division, let alone a team in the East. Well, they countered. So obviously they're willing to do that. (laughs) Uh, Quick break. We come back. Rich Catino is going to join us. We'll continue these calls throughout the show, by the way. Um, And anything else new being reported, if we get a a Woj bomb at any time in the next... uh, Two and a half hours, we will share that with you. But uh, let's turn our attention to the Subway Series. That uh, first pitch starts tomorrow night at 7.05. Rich Catino joins us to break down the Mets on their day off. Right here on 98.7 ESPN. Excited to have you on the show tonight, Rich. Thank you so much for your time. Um, author of the book Press Box Revolution. And like I said, been covering the Mets for quite a while. Welcome in. How are you doing tonight, Rich? Good. How are you doing, Anita? Always good to talk to you. I'm great. I'm great. I was, you know, again, I don't mean to be a negative Nelly here. I was just, I was really hoping for a better pitching matchup for, uh, for, for these two games starting tomorrow. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled that Max Scherzer was there. I was hoping DeGrom uh, would be a part of this rotation at this point. And then, uh, you know, you got Montgomery and Herman. I was hoping more Garrett Cole and, uh, and Nasty Nestor. But, you know, I get it. You know, the, the rotation is there for a reason. You know, sometimes, you know, you can't control the days. It is what it is. But nonetheless, um, I mean, listen, this is the first time that we know these two teams will be faced facing each other all season. And this very well could be a preview, Rich, of the World Series. Can you imagine that? It could be. Um, I think they're two of the better teams in all of baseball. Um, and I think the Mets with DeGrom just wanted to be careful. Because as much as everyone's into these Subway Series games, and myself included, <coughs> pardon me, um, the most important thing Jacob DeGrom can do for the Mets is be healthy and available when they have to play the Braves. And they play the Braves a ton, including a big five-game series at City Field in a couple of weeks. 
and I think that's the mindset for the Mets. Let's get him out there a start before that Braves series. Maybe we'll get him in Miami this coming weekend and then get him ready to be in the Braves series. And let's make sure that Scherzer and DeGrom can pitch in two of those five games against the Braves. And I think that is the biggest, you know, thing in their minds about DeGrom. I do think the pitching matchups are better than people think. Taiwan Walker's been great for the Mets this year. I mean, he's been um, ace-like. Really should have been on the All-Star team. And for the he was snubbed last year and then got a last-minute call. That last-minute call didn't come this year. But I think he's ERA well under three. He's got the kind of pitches that can potentially frustrate Aaron Judge. Throws that splitter and that slider low and out. That's the only way you can get Aaron Judge out. You're not going to get him out with four-seam fastballs or even sliders that dip into the low inside. That's kind of in his zone. And I think Taiwan Walker is the perfect pitcher to pitch against him. And, of course, Max Scherzer the next night who throws that slider low and away to Aaron Judge as well. And Aaron Judge isn't the only bat in that lineup. Gene Carlos Stanton obviously is having a great year. Um, G.J. LeMay is having an underrated year for them. So a lot of right-handed bats, but I think they're going to see splitters and sliders for two nights. And let's see how the Yankees perform without seeing the fastball as much as they may see it with some of the other matchups they've had this season. Um, You know, because it is a Subway Series, because we know how well these two teams are doing, Rich, how how geeked up uh, do you think these guys are going to be Saturday, or I should say Tuesday, Tuesday, uh, more so than Wednesday? I, I mean, it'll be the first time that they face each other. You know, on one side, you've got Pete Alonso. On the other, you've got Judge. Again, we're sitting here talking about the pitchy matchups. You know, there's, there's, it's, there's going to, there's, you could only expect there's going to be a little extra something at the ballpark tomorrow. How, how is going to take an inning or two to slow everybody down? What are you anticipating? I think it'll take a little while to get into it, but let's keep in mind that the Yankees and Mets also have some history in recent years. You know, the Yankees are the only team in the history of baseball to lose a walk-off game in their own ballpark. When Ahmed Rosario went deep against Araldus Chapman. And Pete Alonso went deep against Araldus Chapman twice last year. Now, I don't know how much face time we're going to get from Chapman. He's kind of wilted in the Yankee bullpen's trust factor for Aaron Boone. But to me, um, the Yankees playing the Mets, the Yankees need to get off quickly because when the Mets score first, they generally don't lose. They got the best closer in the sport sitting at the end of the game. And yes, the bridge to him has been up and down, but the Mets starters generally go five or six innings. You know, this is an amazing stat. In the last 40 games that have been played this season, the Mets rotation has the best ERA in all of baseball. And they did that without a pitch from the right of Jacob DeGrom. And a lot of that time, at least half of it, without Max Scherzer. So, the Taiwan Walkers of the world have done well. We'll see where the Yankees go because we're not going to see, as you said, you mentioned it, no Cortez, no Cole in the series. Maybe that's a good good thing for the Yankees, no Cole, because the Mets seem to hit Garrett Cole really well when they play him. So who knows what's going to transpire here. Tyon will pitch the second game of the series. He's had a good season. But when I look at the Yankee bullpen, to me, the 
the guy who's been the best in that bullpen is on the injured shelf, King. King's been as good as anyone in the American League. Now, they got all the the guy out there. They obviously got the kid who's been closing. But that's why I say if the Yankees need to – the Yankees need to get a significant lead in games against the Mets because I think their bullpen is good but not great. The Mets bullpen also good but not great, but the closing piece the Mets have, with the exception of Josh Hader, is as good as anyone in the sport and maybe better than anyone in the sport. Dominic Smith, what, what is the, uh, what, what's the latest with him? Uh, last I had seen that there was a chance that he was going to uh, be ready to go on Tuesday. Or, what, what are you hearing? IL for him. I I don't think we'll see him in this series. I think the Mets will platoon at the DH spot, their new left-handed hitter from the Pirates, and maybe J.D. Davis will get the swings tomorrow night when the Yankee Southpaw goes. You know, Dom Smith, of all the things that have happened to the Mets this year that haven't worked out, that's the one that shocked me the most. Um, I, I, I assume Jeff McNeil would come back and have a good year as he has and he's a return to the Jeff McNeil of 2019 and 2020. But the Dominic Smith thing, I can't understand. And when you look at the numbers, when he, when he played well in 2019 and to a certain extent in 2020, he, um, he hit the breaking ball so well. He had an OPS of close to 900 against breaking pitches. He's now got an OPS of somewhere around 500 against those pitches. So something's not right in his approach or his swing. Could be confidence, could be a lot of different factors, but Dom Smith has fallen down in the Met depth chart in thoughts, and that makes me believe that there's a good chance that if the Mets need to make a move at the trading deadline, Dominic Smith will be a guy in that trade, although the bad part about it for the Mets is Dominic Smith's trade value is nowhere near what it was two years ago. So they would probably have to package Dom Smith with others to get players that would help this team, either in the bullpen or a power bat in the lineup. The Juan Soto thing has got to evolve. Um, I think there's a more than even chance he won't get traded at the deadline, and the Nationals will figure, let's bring that to the offseason where we have more time to make the deal. Maybe we can get another team involved, make it a three-team deal. It's hard to do that at the trading deadline. Much easier to do that in the offseason when you have more time. If he is traded, I mean, I think Rizzo's going to want a haul. He's going to want three or four top prospects and probably one or two either ready now to play in the majors or already playing in the majors. So if the Mets were going to get Soto, they would have to probably give up a Peterson or a McGill and they would probably have to give up three of their top four prospects. Listen, Juan Soto's an all-time great player. He's young. He's 23 years old, so he's got 10, 15 years ahead of him in this sport. Great player to get, but that's an awful big asking price. And then on top of it, you've got to sign a real contract. Now, you don't have to do it right away, Nita, because you have two more years of arbitration control with Soto. So really, you wouldn't have to do it until after the next season. But I think that um, it's still a tough thing from the Yankee standpoint. Same thing. Um, uh, they'll ask for Nestor Cortez 
and two or three of the Yankees' top prospects. And that's a big asking price for Juan Soto, as good as he is. Again, Rich Catino joining us here on 98.7 ESP. And Rich, before I let you go, just quick update on uh, on Jacob DeGrom. Again, I was hoping that he would be a part of uh, the, one of the starts on Tuesday or Wednesday. Not the case. Everything that we hear from Buck is that he's going to get another rehab start. Uh, has he had any kind of issues in regard to his rehab? What can we expect? How soon do you think that he will be back up here in the bigs? Well, there's no real physical problem why he needs another rehab start. I think part of it is he's thrown his fastball a lot, and he's thrown his slider a bit, but he hasn't really thrown his changeup and his curve at all in any of these rehab starts. And I think the Mets want to see the whole repertoire, and I think Jason, I think Jacob wants to see that too. So I'm a firm believer in that, you know, that you have to get to a point where – he can throw all his pitches. You don't want him to be unarmed, so to speak, with all his, without all his, you know, bullets. And I think the other thing is they want to make sure his command of his fastball is where they want it to be. And I think they're pretty sure it is, but I think they want one more check mark and one more appearance. I think if he's well in this rehab start, He'll probably start sometime this weekend when the Mets visit the Marlins in Miami. And then I think he'll be part of the regular rotation. So I think, too, when the Mets, another decision they need the Mets have to make is when Tyler McGill comes off the injured list, whenever that is, they may, he may go right in the bullpen. A lot of that depends on Trevor May and his rehab assignment, which he's in the middle of now. Mets are hoping they can have him in a week's time in that bullpen because Diaz has been great, but the bridge to the Diaz, it's shown some leakage the last few weeks, whether it's Drew Smith showing a little leakage, Seth Lugo showing a little leakage. And you wonder if they need a Trevor May, they may need the Trevor May that pitched with the twins two years ago. That's what they need. Or they may go out and get somebody at the trading deadline, but To me, that's an even bigger thing for the Mets to address at the deadline than another bat in the lineup. I think there's enough bats in this lineup. I think they have to hit a little better at runners in scoring position, similar to what they did early in the season. And people say, well, the Mets don't hit a lot of home runs. The Mets have a couple home run hitters. They'll hit home runs, but the Mets have so many other ways to score runs if their offense is flowing the way it can with Nimmo and Marte at the top of the order and other guys complimenting things, and Escobar may be hitting better in the second half of the season. So I know everyone's pointing to the bat the Mets need, but I really think that bullpen on is so much more important to them at the trading deadline because of the leakage I'm seeing in the bridge between the starting pitcher and Edwin Diaz. Uh, he is Rich Catino. Uh, always does a great job breaking it down like no other. Rich, thank you so much. Appreciate your time. Have a great night, and enjoy the uh, the two-game Subway Series. <laughs> the two-game now, and then there'll be two more games later in the month. And, Anita, it's always great to talk to you. Forget about the business. The world needs more people like you, not only the uh, business. Stay <laughs> well. Thank you, Rich. That's very kind. Uh, 800-919-3776. John Carl, I see you guys want to jump in. We'll get to your calls. Uh, Subway Series, Mets, Yankees, preview of possibly the World Series. Am I, am I getting ahead of myself right now? Um, I hope not. How, how spectacular would that be? Really excited for Tuesday and Wednesday night. 
what what are you anticipating in this matchup? Um, who shines? Who struggles? 800-919-3776. We'll be right back. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Hour two here on this Monday night. Christy Ackert is going to be joining us in about 30 minutes. Let's get to your calls. Let's go to Adam in Long Island. Adam, welcome in. Good evening. Anita Marks in the house. Hi. Hi, Anita. So I'm sure I'm in the minority when I say this. I'm a diehard Yankee fan, but I love the fact that I know every year, year after year, I have a solid, great season. If they make it to the World Series, it's a bonus. But I can go playoffs, first round, second round, whatever. So signing Judge versus signing Soto, what financially what financially is the are the Yankees gaining if they win the World Series? It's all about pride. I know I'd love to win the World Series, but financially, what is it quote unquote worth that they actually win the World Series? It's probably not much, worth much more than if they make it to the first round, second round. I mean, I love the fact that I know every year I'm going to watch 162 games and we're going to be in it. So that's why I'm saying judge. I love judge. I want judge because we'll sign another judge when he's older. So I know that every year we're going to be in it. I don't need Soto because I love judge. Adam, Adam, let me, let me, let me, let let me, let me understand this. So what you're saying is, you know, it's like if, if you win the World Series, it's just it's it's like it's the icing on top of the cake. It's it's the cherry right, on top of the right. right? Like, right. do you do you realize that majority of people do not think that way, Adam? Do you do you realize That's that you I are think. an out? You do you you are an I, outlier. Exactly, exactly. I mm. love the Yankees. I've been since I was I don't know zero. I've loved the Yankees. So, so what, when I you tell them. this, I'm just out of curiosity. When you when you say this to your friends. 
you're hanging out with your buddies. Maybe, you know, you guys are, I don't know, uh, drinking some old fashions, some like bougie bar in, in New York City. And you and you say and you and you you Make all share things. this with your friends. What do they say to you, Adam? No, no. That's why I said I'm in the money. They think I'm crazy. But imagine you're any other team in the in baseball and you have, you know, one year out of 20 that you're relevant. I I get to enjoy every year where we're relevant. And if we win the World Series, of course, I'm I love it. But I know I can go. I can watch every game knowing that we're going to be first place playoffs. That's what I care about. If we win the World Series, I love it. But. Imagine going year after year being like in third place, fourth place, whatever. It's 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 terrible. But knowing every year you can be in first place playoffs, and if you win the World Series, like you said, icing on the cake. But I know every year, like the Knicks back in the '90s, I knew every year we were going to be in it, and Jordan killed us. But you know, I knew it was great. But being actually watching games, knowing that there was reason to watch the games, we were going to be in it. And if you get to the pinnacle, all right, you, it was great. But I know I can watch every game all year. We're in it. We're in first place. That's much better than, you know, one out of 10, 20 years winning the World Series. I mean, that's all right. right you're, I'm in the minority. I know it. But I know every year we're in it. Wow. Adam, I don't even I appreciate the phone call. I don't even I don't even know. I don't even know. Listen, um, I, I've said this. I've said this time and time again. Right. Like. Um, I, I'm not, I'm not a fan. I grew up in Miami. <laughs> it's a very interesting city to be a sports fan in. That's for sure. Um, you know, grew up a diehard Steeler fan because you were either Steelers or Cowboys when I was younger. It was one or the other. And then Dan Marino was drafted by the Dolphins. So of course cheered for the Dolphins. But ever since I'm, I've been in this business, um, I, I just, I, I, I don't have fandom. I am I am a fan of players. I am a fan of certain athletes because um, there's some really really good dudes. Um, there's some really really good dudes who uh, who are in this business uh, who I I just I think are great, and so I root for them and I cheer for them no matter what team they're on. But I I I just I don't, if if I was a fan I I I can't imagine having the mindset of Adam just being like you know I just I just want to be relevant especially especially if you're talking about being a Yankee fan where predominantly more times than not it is World Series or bust right it is World Series or bust you know there there are teams and organizations out there that feel like they just want to be relevant they just want to get to the postseason and make a and, and like have a good go at it and if they don't win the world series or they don't win the championship it's okay it's still a good season but those aren't the standards that yankee fans stand by i i, I just my, my mind is blown right now i mean like totally blown let's go to carl in dc carl welcome in evening uh anita I'm gonna call you out a little bit you keep putting out this false narrative that lebron james has demanded a trade he's never demanded a trade i, I never said i never time. said i never said lebron james demanded you, you a trade did earlier no today, no i no i didn't i said no i did not i said this is what i he said carl. Manipulate carl. The system. he's so 
creates he the plays, system. He, he, he signs these two-year... Carl, he becomes he signed, a free agent, okay. and then he decides where he wants to Carl, go. That's not exactly, exactly. He signs two-year deals. Carl, let me talk for a second because you're putting words in my mouth. So let me clarify. He signs two-year deals where he can opt out after one year. And then he looks around the NBA and he jumps on a team that he can feel that he has the best opportunity to win a championship with. That is gaming the system. That is manipulating the system. That is not gaming the system. That is doing what the system allows. I sign a four-year contract with a one-year option. That last option, I can go wherever I want or I can opt to go back to my team. He played in Cleveland. His contract was over. He was a free agent. He went to Miami. He played in Miami. I, I know he had what he did, to Carl. Stay in Miami, and he I decided know, to go I know to what he did. LA. It, it's that's not gaming uh, a system. Uh, that's how the system is set up. It's still it's it's set up, but there's only a handful of players who can manipulate it and game it that way because they are superstars. No, and they, no, 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 Carl. No, Carl. you may call it gaming it, but it's doing what the what the league and the players' association has set up. That's not gaming the system, and uh, and the majority of the players can do that. They can opt in. Or they can opt out after they play their year. No, I under I LeBron understand. I under Carl. I understand like what the rules are. I understand what the and I appreciate the phone call, Carl. I understand what the rules are. I understand what the CBA is. I understand all of that. But you look around the league. There's very few players that do what LeBron James does. You're 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 it's you're defending something that has happened in saying that, no, it doesn't happen. It happens. It's what he does. And, it's, and, and, and you know what? God bless him that he can do it because there's not very many men in the NBA that wield that kind of power, that can do that. But he does it. You want to have, you wanna have instead of sitting here, you know, debating whether or not he manipulates or games the system. How about we talk about has his legacy been tarnished because of the way that he has tried to win championships? I think it has. I think that's an, I think that's a more interesting conversation to have. 800-919-3776. Anthony Alessandro. We'll be right back. We'll get your calls. Uh, let's go to Alejandro calling in from Connecticut. Welcome in. Uh, very close. It's actually Alessandro. Alessandro, uh, welcome show. in. Um, and, uh, you know, really excited to be on your show. Uh, you really do an awesome job. Spectacular. I love listening to you. have been listening to your show um, many times. And, um, you know, I just wanted to get your thoughts on the Yankees and trading deadline moves that we can make. I'm, I'm really impressed by the Yankees this season. I mean, who, who would have thought, you know, people said, well, they were a little laissez-faire. They didn't do much in the offseason. But it looks like, you know, Cashman really hit the jackpot with his moves. They were subtle. They didn't go out and spend a lot of money. And I um, was also curious on who's your favorite all-time Yankee and what are the odds of a Subway series. You know, one of my favorite managers of all time was Billy Martin. I love his fire. But, you know, and then I also wanted to – delve into if we're going to keep judge or, you know, we're going to go after a guy like Juan Soto. 
Uh, wow, that's 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 <laughs> Alessandro. Thanks for calling in. Thank you for your your compliments. Appreciate you listening to the show. There's a lot there. Um, first things first. I mean, um, you know, I, I've been really critical of of Cashman uh, the last few years because you know one thing that I I truly believe is um, pitching wins championships. And, and I feel that this organization and, and, and Cashman um, has been focusing more so on the lineup than the rotation, not to take anything away from Garrett Cole. So you're absolutely right. Like, like first things first, like I commend Cashman uh, for, you know, what, what we're seeing with, of course, Nestor Cortez, right. And, um, and, and how well this, this pitching rotation has done this season, uh, let alone, you know, the bullpen, unfortunately, uh, Michael King getting, getting injured is, uh, is, is definitely a huge hit. Um, and what, what Clay Holmes has been able to do. So uh, there, there's that, right? Like, like the, the, the pitching from the rotation, as well as the bullpen has far exceeded any of my expectation. Um, and obviously, this this lineup has delivered. I mean, you've got some big question marks. Obviously, the, towards the tail end of the lineup, with Gallo and and IFK, and and obviously, you know, Hicks struggling on and off this season. Um, so so as we get closer to the trade deadline, what would we? What would I'd like to see them do? I mean, I, I think they need to get an outfielder that can come in uh, with a better batting average, uh, somebody who's uh, who who actually who can do well against strong right-handed pitchers. When you look at a lot of the games that the Yankees have lost or were close, uh, maybe 2-1, whatever the case may be, they just struggle against strong right-handed pitchers. And and at the end of the day, uh, that's what the Houston Astros have. And so they're going to have to get over that hurdle. So uh, not only go out there and, and, of course, even make this lineup even better with an outfielder who's going to come in, but an outfielder who actually uh, performs well against very strong wielding right-handed pitchers um because of the injuries that uh, just recently we saw take place with the bullpen obviously they're going to need some more bullpen help you know the whole Juan Soto thing is is really interesting to me uh and there's so many teams out there uh, that now you know that, that we're hearing that, that have the interest in him uh you know from the Padres to Toronto Dodgers White Sox Mets Atlanta now Cleveland uh, just to name a few, uh, I just feel like each and every day the list goes on and on. I just think it's it's just, and and not the caliber of player that he is is once in a generation. And I understand the want and need for him more so. Let's say put more value in Soto over Judge because of the age difference. I, I you know, and I say this each each and every night I host. I believe you know sometimes I think we forget how old Aaron Judge is because he doesn't look like he's 30. And, you know, he had a late start to, to get up here into the bigs. Like, he's only had five full Major League Baseball seasons. So, um, you know, as, 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 as we get closer to, to August 2nd, it, it's, it's going to be interesting to see who, of course, if the Nationals do trade him by that trade deadline, uh, which there's a number of people with that expectation, folks who cover Major League Baseball with that expectation that that's going to happen. Realistically, you know, will the Yankees be a part of it? You know, um, there's reports out there. Was it Jack Curry? Were, 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 Tom, were you hosting the show? Or, or were, you, were you producing the show? Is Jacob producing the show? When we had reported that, uh, that Curry had put out there on his social media confirming 
that uh, lines of communication were happening and discussions were happening in regard to a Soto trade with Washington and the Yankees. So uh, we, we know that that's, it's a can that the Yankees are kicking around. Uh, will, will that deal get done? And will there be other deals, better deals on, on the table for Washington to take? It's going to be interesting as we get closer to August 2nd. 800-919-3776 the phone number. I want to share with you as well. I was on Daily Wager earlier today. And one of our questions was, is Aaron Judge going to break uh, Roger Maris's record of 61 home runs? You can wager that he will at plus 340. Okay? And, and so, Tom and Jacob, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this, all right? So what, is, what does that mean for folks who don't wager? You can lay $100 down that Aaron Judge is going to hit 62 home runs and if he does, you win $340. That's what it means. Now, we know he's at 37. You know, he had three Baltimore blasts this past weekend, but he loves hitting home runs out of Camden Yards. Who doesn't? He's got eight multi-homer games this season. So right now, the projection is that he's going to hit 60 home runs at this rate. It's, it's, it's exactly at 60. But here's the thing. He's, he only, I say only, he has eight home runs in the month of July. Previous months, he was averaging 11 or 12, so he has slowed down a little bit. He's got the Subway Series against Walker and Max Scherzer. We had um, uh, Rich Catino on talking about the, the, the repertoire, what's in the pitching repertoire for both these starting pitchers and how that does not bode well for uh, what what did rich say sliders sinkers uh, does not the pitches that they can can deal does not bode well for Aaron Judge on top of that the second half of the season for the Yankees is a much more difficult schedule than the first half they're going to they're going to face Seattle by the way six times in August three at home three away and we know hate to say it, but there's been a history of injury for Aaron Judge. In the five years that he has uh, been in the bigs, only two seasons has he been able to play more than 115, 115, 115 games. And you've got to consider load management, right? Like with the Yankees having a huge lead in the American League East, 12 and a half games up right now, you know, is does load management come into play as they get closer to the postseason? All those things to consider, I say no, I would not take this bet. But would you take this bet? 800-919-3776. We get back, we'll, we'll continue with some calls this hour. Also, uh, we got Christy Ackert, who's going to be joining us next. We'll get an update as the Yankees and Mets getting ready for the Subway Series. They are both off tonight and back in action for the next two days, Tuesday and Wednesday getting ready uh, for uh, really an exciting two nights of, of, of baseball, that's for sure. Uh, we'll hear from her next here on 90.7 ESPN. Christy, welcome in. How are you doing this evening? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. I'm excited. Um, I, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm more geeked up over this than, than most, but like I feel that this is the possibility of a, a little World Series preview for us, um, I feel like I feel like you know we're, I'm playing cuts from uh, Aaron Judge. I'm playing cuts from um, 
of course, uh, Pete Alonso, and I feel like the players are playing it down. Do you feel that it's just that that's what they need to say? They don't want to create any bulletin board material, but really inside, uh, these guys are going to be a lot, a lot more geeked up than than a normal game. I think it's. I think they're more interested and curious than a normal game. I mean, these are teams that don't see each other that much, but they know kind of what's going on. It's kind of hard for them to avoid the other team. Um, I mean, <clears throat> you know, it's for these guys, it's one of 62, 162. So it's, um, you know, it's something that we're in the middle of the season. They've come off the all-star break, but their all-star break was shortened. So I think they're a little tired. I think it might be, you know, the atmosphere being as, ex- you know, excited as everyone is about this game. I think that might be good for them because I think it might give them, you know, some extra energy. It might be something that, you know, gets them hyped up a little bit once they start hearing the crowd. Um, but I think every year <clears throat> when they answer those questions, it's kind of like an obligation. Interesting. I, I just, but I, I hear what you're saying, but I just think this season is is something different, you know, because uh, this is, this is a, a Mets team that's no longer that, you know, uh, that, that, little brother to the Yankees. I mean, this is a Mets team that's making noise in the National League, competing with the Dodgers to have the best record in the National League. And, uh, and, and I'm, I'm, I would imagine really want to make a statement tomorrow night and Wednesday. And, and I would imagine that the Yankees are well aware of that. I, yeah, I, I think that's probably true. I mean, having covered the Mets for six years, I do think that they see this as a big matchup for them. Um, in terms of the city, um, I think the Yankees think that every time they go someplace, they get you know they get that excitement from a team trying to knock them off. But I do think that they are looking forward to one seeing the other team because they they have heard so much about them. You know, they see them on the nightly news, they hear about them from other. Oh no, I, I think we just lost Christy. If you guys, if you could, yeah, if you could try to get her back on, that's great. Um, so I, <laughs> um, I, I just, I, I just, I, I believe I want to imagine that you know that, and, and and I don't know, maybe maybe it's the Mets that are going to come in with feeling like they have more to prove uh, tomorrow night and, and of course Wednesday, possibly. Um, but again, let's 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 break down while we're getting Christy back on. Oh, fantastic. Christy, you're back. Yeah, sorry about that. I don't know what happened. That's okay. That's all right. I mean, just to get to that point, I think it'll be exciting. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for it. The pitching matchup, as we know, uh, on, uh, on Tuesday, tomorrow night, is uh, Walker going up against Montgomery. Walker, 7-2 uh, and two with a two five five ERA. He has just been great this season, especially so needed uh, because of what's going on with Jacob DeGrom. Uh, his last start, he did win against the Cubs. Meanwhile, for Montgomery, three and two with a three-two-four ERA. His last start was solid, but unfortunately, they lost to the Astros. Um, so, your your thoughts in regard to this pitching matchup heading into tomorrow night? Well, I haven't seen Walker, obviously, but um, Montgomery is. You know, I, I think maybe they play the kind of the same role. You know, the steady guy, the guy who goes out and gives you a great start. The problem for Jordan has been that he doesn't get much run support. I mean, he's pitched really well this season. He's really been very steady, very solid for them. 
but he doesn't get a lot of run support. So he, his record doesn't really reflect how well he's pitched. Um, he's going to give you a very, you know, he's going to give you five to six innings tomorrow night. He's going to hold them probably to, you know, two or three runs if he has his typical start. Um, you know, I think he's one of the most underrated parts of the Yankees team this year. Um, let's talk about the bullpen and, and obviously big loss with, with Michael King going down and Chapman uh, has, has not been vintage Chapman as of late. I, I want to say his ERA is now above five. Um, your, your thoughts in regard to this bullpen and, and, and how that's going to come into play the next two nights. Yeah, I mean, the bullpen has certainly shown some cracks. I mean, with Michael King, it was that horrific injury, you know, season-ending elbow injury. Um, that's a huge loss for them. Um, he has been just so so terrific for them, so solid. Um, Clay Holmes has done a great job taking over the role for Chapman as the closer. The problem is that you don't really know what role Chapman's in right now. Um, you, you can't really put him in high leverage situations because you're not confident that he's going to give you a solid outing. So he's still in the bullpen, but you don't really know where his role is. Luckily for the Yankees, they have Clark Schmidt back. He's a solid multiple inning guy, though he did pitch three innings on Sunday, so I'm not sure how available he'll be on Tuesday, but probably there on Wednesday. And they did get Ron Marinaccio back, who's been a really, you know, great young reliever for them this year. Um, I think you might see another pitcher come up before. Their bullpen has been a little spent. Um, but, you know, they have gotten through. You know, without Miguel – I mean, Miguel Castro is another one that they lost. Um, Jonathan Loizaga hasn't really been that great this year. But some of the young guys have really stepped up for them. Uh, your thoughts on Herman pitching game two on Wednesday night? You know, they didn't commit to that. <clears throat> and I think that, you know, he, you know, I asked the pitching coach the other day, Matt Blake, you know, how, how did you feel about Herman's debut? And it was against the Astros. And he's like, it wasn't thrilling, but, you know, you can't really judge it on one outing. I mean, he has good stuff, or he has in the past. I have seen him pitch very well in the past. Um, I haven't seen it yet this year, but, um, you know, he is he is capable of putting out a, a really good start. Um, I'm really I'm, – I'm, I'm excited. I'm interested, intrigued, and see what he can do because, obviously, he's got the more difficult matchup going up against Max Scherzer on Wednesday night, that's for sure. Um, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. I was on Daily Wager earlier today, and we were talking about Aaron Judge breaking Roger Maris's record of 61 home runs, and, um, and I said I would stay away from that wager uh, just because – uh, obviously, you know, you've got concerns in regard to injury, still lengthy second half of the season remaining. And I'm curious to get your thoughts on this, on load management. You know, this is a Yankees team, as we know, have such a, a, a strong lead in that division as they get closer towards the postseason. And if they continue to have a 10, 12-game lead, could we expect some load management, some games off for Aaron Judge? Yeah, I think we're already seeing that. I mean, I think we're already seeing um, Aaron Boone watch him very carefully, sit him down for a game here and there. Um, you know, he's DHing more. So I, I think 
Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. I do think that there will be load management. I think there has been this season, too. I mean, there have been times where, you know, as they like to say, they're just beat up. And, you know, Boone will kind of ease off them a little bit and then go back to him. So I-, I think you'll see that a lot with him and Stanton. Um, but he's still on pace to hit 62. So, you know, and that's with some load management. So it'll be interesting. It will be a very interesting final month of the season. That's for sure. Christy Eckert joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. Christy, before we let you go, last question as we get closer to August 2nd. A lot of talk about Juan Soto, as we know, this is a, a team that uh, needs some help in regard to that lineup, especially uh, towards the tail end of it. Uh, possibly an outfielder added. Luis Castillo is a, is a name that has been uh, mentioned out there to bolster, you know, the the pitching rotation. What what Juan Soto? Dare I say? Uh, <laughs> what are you hearing? All things above, and and what can Yankee fans expect as we get closer to August second? I think I think Castillo's a more likely outcome than Soto at this point, though I mean Soto is, you know, a game changer. He's an organizational, you know, changing acquisition. That's if you have the chance to get him and build around him, that's something I think almost every team has to think really hard about doing and, and, and do their best to get it done. Um my understanding is Castillo is is a real possibility now, and you know recent pitching issues, Severino being down, um, Jamison Tyone struggling, Michael King, you know going losses for the season has created more urgency for pitching, and you know I think Castillo would be a good fit, would be probably one of the pieces that could put them in a better spot when they have to eventually face the Astros again. Um, I, I think they will make every effort to kind of make that happen. Chrissy, thank you so much for spending some time with us on this Monday night. I really do appreciate it. Enjoy the subway series. I'm pretty geeked up for it. I can't wait. Um, and, uh, and hopefully it'll be uh, really enjoyable to watch. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're welcome. I hope you enjoy it. You got it. Uh, Christy Acker joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. What do you say? 800-919-3776. Also, uh, we'll take your calls on Aaron Judge. Do you think that he gets to 61? I just, I, I think there, there are too many things that I have some concerns about that I say no, but maybe somebody else can, somebody, somebody else can talk me into yes. 800-919-3776. Anita Marks with you on this Monday night here on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. 
from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. This is Click, 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 or Don't. Very simply, here's the headline. Are you interested in clicking or not? That's right. It's time for Click or Don't Click, a fun way. We take our tour around our wide, wide world of sport, find out what is trending based on the headlines I just shared with you. One of them prior us going to break, um, but our producers typically lead the way. Lead the way and uh, we've got Tom and Jacob tonight. Gentlemen. All right, Anita. Well, you started. You kind of teased it going into the 9 o'clock hour, so why don't we just get that right off the bat? Let's talk about Kyler Murray's contract stipulation that he kind of needs, I think it's four hours of, how did they phrase it, Anita? Like, essentially, he needs... Independent study? Yeah, there you go. Independent <laughs> study time. He, he needs to have four hours per week when he's not with the team, so he has to do it personally. And I wonder why they even needed to put this in the contract in the first place Anita we were talking about this over the break shouldn't he just be studying the playbook on his own to begin with anyway why does this even have to be included in the contract unless of course they don't think he wasn't studying the playbook but in that case why are you paying him over 200 million dollars to be your quarterback okay so a a few things to unpack here number one um I I haven't I haven't read all NFL contracts I don't know if this is the norm in regard to uh, what what is what stipulated what is added into a player's contract uh, you know i i but i i i highly doubt that it is okay and and again for folks that are just turning tuning in um so there there's si is reporting that <laughs> and here it is uh this is the addendum in the uh kyler murray contract the player shall complete at least four hours of independent study as defined below each week excluding any bye week during each playing session is defined below during the term of the contract and that's like playing season means period beginning of the first monday after the conclusion of training camp um that the player will have independent study shall uh Material provided in the iPad, electronic device. Uh, you need to personally study or watch the material. Uh, you can't be on your phone. You can't be playing video games. Are you serious? I mean, this is like I'm reading verbatim. I'm, I'm reading exactly what it says in the contract. This is ridiculous. Again, um, I, don't, I, I, I don't know if this is in other players' contracts. This this is ridiculous. This is embarrassing. They have to put this. If they have to put this in the contract, it's because they had a problem with this prior, right, guys? I mean, you know, and I know we're sitting here assuming a lot, but if this has to be in a contract, this this tells me that they have had issues with him not studying, not not knowing the material, coming into games unprepared because spending too much time on a cell phone or playing video games. That's what it tells me. Yeah, you're, I mean, you're absolutely right. I don't think this is a first-time issue that they had with him. I mean, even reading past reports, like, he hasn't had 
like shown much leadership in the last two years with the pandemic hasn't allowed him to uh like fully engage as he should have but i agree anita if it if they have to put in your contract and uh if you're paying a guy 230 million dollars that's the least he could do if he's the starting quarterback for your team i i just uh, <laughs> i i don't and in and, and 230.5 million dollars if 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 a team was paying me 230.5 million dollars i'd study 8 hours a day <laughs> i i just but the, and just the, just and just just the mere fact that you have to put this in a contract guys it's just like i i retweeted this on my twitter twitter site and i wrote is this a joke like I, I, like when I first read this, I actually thought like, oh no, no, this is a joke. It's a joke. I think what what made it even more what would have made it even more comedy gold if it was like supervised studies. The fact that he he's doing independent studies, who knows if he's really studying by the time uh well, week one comes around. Here here's the thing. He better he better know the playbook. He better know the game plan because now that it's stipulated in this contract, he he. He comes in and he's not ready for a game. Kingsbury is calling plays and and he doesn't know what plays are are are, are being called in. He's not reading defenses. He doesn't know who his first, second, and third look is. Dude's not making money. Mm-mm. That's why that's in there. That's why that's in there. So, <laughs> wow, that's just amazing. Anyway, what else do you guys got? Yeah, it is amazing. Uh, from uh, I guess that wacky story to uh, one of the biggest stories in the tri-state is uh, Kevin Durant and where he's going. I mean, the Boston Celtics are—I don't want to say they're front runners, but they're the latest team to be uh, added to KD's list or one of the teams that were engaged to him. Let, let me ask you this: Are you guys surprised that it's taken four weeks? Uh, and, and, and it's, and obviously it's going beyond, I, I mean, you know, I mean, nothing is, nothing is happening tomorrow. I mean, right. Like, I mean, honestly, me, I, I knew the deal wasn't going to get done anytime soon. I honestly think Katie's going to play the whole season with the Nets and, uh, I you think, think, you think he's not going anywhere? You think he's, you I, think he's going to play? I think, I think he's going to still be with the Nets when the season starts. Uh, really? I don't. It's gonna be difficult. Mm. It's gonna be difficult to trade Kevin Durant one, and the Nets won a lot. They're they're asking for a haul. Um, most team that they have uh, engaged with trade talks has been the deals have been some. I don't want to say outlandish because it is, it is Kevin Durant, but you're asking for a team to gut out most of their team, and then uh, Kevin Durant is gonna have what? He's gonna be one of three players with uh, no depth, which is uh, what the Nets are kind of battling right now. Uh, so, I like I said, I, I don't think he's going to play with any other team besides the Nets when the season starts. I also, uh, bold prediction, I think he'll win MVP too, kind of on a revenge tour. Really? Yeah, I think I think he, he'll be the guy. Because he, he's, he's such a hooper, uh, I don't think he'll let all this outside distraction stop him from uh, getting what he wants to accomplish on the floor. Um, uh, Joel Embiid, who was a favorite last year, has uh, help from James Harden. Him and Harden is going to play a full season, so I don't really see him uh, playing as high as the MVP totals. Also, uh, Jokic is going to get not only Murray, but uh, Michael Porter Jr. back. So, to me, I think KD stands to win MVP again, actually. That's my pick. 
it's it's interesting. I, like, I just I, I I just don't know if this this fence could be mended. You know, I, I really don't. And um, listen, I, I'm not going to sit here and say that I would be shocked by any stretch of the imagination uh, if 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 KD stayed here and, and played for the Nets. But you know, and and you hit on something, you know, and. And, and and this is what how we opened up the show. We opened up the show talking about this because uh, this is the news that that of course broke today, and the fact that the Boston Boston Celtics are are in the hunt or in the mix now for for Kevin Durant. There's there's just a handful of teams. This is a very unique situation because the Nets want so much back in return, and at the same time, Katie wants to go to a team that will immediately be able to compete and contend once he arrives. And there's only it like you, tell me if there's a team out there that I'm missing. But for me, guys, it's the Golden State Warriors, and it's the Boston Celtics. Those are the two teams that I feel have enough depth that they'll be able to offer the Nets what they want and still be competitive enough for Kevin Durant once he lands on their court and in their city. Uh, yeah, I agree with you on the Warriors. The other team is uh the Raptors. Is another team I think that uh. They have the assets, the young players, and uh, the depth to uh, offer the Nets what they want. But I think the Nets want at least Scotty Barnes a part of that, and that's uh, something the Raptors would rather not do. I, If I'm the Nets here, Anita, I'm waiting for a team to get desperate enough to definitely offer me that trade package for Kevin Durant. Just run it back this season. If things go well, fantastic. You take Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant into the playoffs, hopefully go on the long run. I don't think they're going to make the NBA Finals this year if they run it back, but it is what it is. Play it out, see what happens. But just wait for a team to get desperate enough. Let's say the Suns come calling, like at the trade deadline, they just lost a big player to injury. Are they going to be that desperate enough to pull the trigger on Kevin Durant? It, it's just a mystery. That's why I think that Nets game plan should be if they're not going to plan on trading him this offseason. Um, interesting. It, is it, and, and it's not just KD. I mean, you know, we're really, you know, be, because of this report, you know, we're talking about KD tonight, but it's also it's it's also Kyrie as well. Uh, let's do one more before we take a break. What else do you guys got? All right, Anita. So let's talk about the Chicago Bears' efforts to revitalize, possibly revitalize, Soldier Field. Or more or less, this is Mayor Lori Lightfoot's um, proposals that are making rounds on social media. She revealed three proposals for renovations to Soldier Field to entice the Bears to remain at their home stadium. The center of the proposal is the construction of a domed stadium. Haven't you heard that before with Chicago? Which could cost anywhere from $900 million to $2.2 billion dollars. And I hear there, if they don't say it's Soldier Field, there's a district out there. I think it's called like Arlington Heights or something like that. I could be mistaken. I apologize if I am. But essentially, the city of Chicago and Lori Lightfoot wants the Bears to stay at Soldier Field for as long as possible. Putting a dome on the stadium, I think, would be a brilliant addition to Chicago, given the weather um, history that they've had there and the bad weather that will continue in the winter. But do you ultimately believe, Anita, that they will stay at Soldier Field and that a dome would work? on Soldier Field. They've renovated I've, it before. I, th- I think it's a horrible idea. And and take, okay, so a few things. Number one, um, I can't stand doing anything in the cold, right? Like, I, like, I sh- like anything below 70 degrees, I shut it down. I don't even play golf when it's like below 65. I, I just, I, I can't, right? 
it is such an advantage. It is such an uber advantage when you have like, so for example, on Daily Wager earlier tonight, we were talking about the Buffalo Bills. Bills are favored to win the Super Bowl this year. What, and, and, and right now you can lay money down that the Bills are going to win the Super Bowl plus 650. I, I, I want to say like I got them like a few months ago at like 10 to 1, 11 to 1. But why are the Bills favored? Number one, they've got the best roster. Uh, number two, they're, they're just, they're stacked. All three levels, offense, defense, special teams. They're, they're going to be amazing. But the added dimension is I do believe they're going to win the division. I think they're going to have the best record in the AFC. Therefore, the road to the Super Bowl is going to have to go through Buffalo in January. <laughs> like those weather conditions benefit them. It is, it's, it's, it's to your, you know, it's to your advantage if you play in that and you're used to those temperatures. So why eliminate something that is going to play into your hands? And, and so like, so if you're the Green Bay Packers, if you're the Chicago Bears, um, you know, obviously we're talking about the Buffalo Bills. Like there's only a few select teams that, you know, if they have to host a playoff game or if they have to host a game in December and January, it's an advantage to them, especially if they're going up against a warm weather team like the Tampa Bay Bucks or like the Dolphins or like a, even a dome team that's used to playing indoors. I just, why eliminate that advantage to your team? Is it really an advantage, though, if the Bears haven't won the Super Bowl since 1986? <laughs> well, that's, that has nothing to do with the stadium or the weather. And, and, and the Bears are probably going to be the worst team this season, by the way. I mean, uh, honestly, I'm not – I agree with you. I, would, I don't like doing things in a cold. But, I mean, we've seen the Minnesota Vikings already do it. Uh, it's worked well for them. Uh, I haven't seen much backlash since then. And also, a lot of people forget they, they used to play in the cold. But, I mean, this – I think it, it should happen for Chicago. Uh, even though Soldier Field had – some great memories um i would definitely go with the dome it's it's not as traditional for what chicago wants to do but it makes sense uh well <laughs> i'm pretty sure uh, a lot of players will prefer to play in a closed dome and uh not have to face some of those harsh realities of the weather that we that chicago gives off listen take it from this miami girl like 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 i get it i get it i just think i just think you're for, for those teams like like the Green Bay Packers, like the Chicago Bears, like the Bills, like I, I just you're, – you're, you're eliminating somewhat of an advantage, especially against opponents who aren't used to playing in those type of conditions. Okay. That's all I say. Hey, That's all I say. But just That's a, all I say. Oh, just to bring like, – like, like I know if I was a quarterback for a team and I had to go play in those, in, in, in those horrible conditions, I'd be miserable. But what about uh, like – for instance, what happened with uh, Green Bay and uh, San Fran? I mean, you know, Green Bay would was the favorite to come out that game, and uh, look what happened. I mean, I, I'm not saying it's going to happen every time, especially that was a, like an anomaly of a game by the Aaron Rodgers. But I just think when you uh, when people just say things like, you know, it's just going to – that's our advantage. How much of an advantage if you end up losing a game anyway? 
but there, again, it's just, there's, there's so much that goes into that beyond, I mean, you know, when you're talking about, you know, and, and I talked about the bears tonight as well on daily wager. It's, I, I feel bad for Justin Fields. I think he's going to have a horrible season. Allen Robinson is gone. Um, it, you know, his wide receiving core, his offensive line, his wide, his offensive line room, his wide receiving room, his tight end room is the least expensive rooms, quote unquote, in regard to players and player salaries in the NFL. Um, he was he was sacked twelve percent of his dropbacks last year, highest of any quarterback in the NFL, and they did not address the offensive line this season. It's going to get worse. Like like my my heart goes out to Justin Fields. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to be, and for all you fantasy football freaks out there, you do not want him on your fantasy roster. Take it from me. (laughs) Take it from me. Guys, great job. This has been Click or Don't Click. This is what's trending at 9.18 p.m. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN.